Hey, everybody, this is John Lamoureux from The Hustle Podcast, and you are listening to The Rock Solid Podcast. Make me a deal and make it good for me. I won't get full of myself, I can't afford to be here. This is small town music, this is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me tonight in the Zoom, Zoom, Zoomio. Perfect. You know him best from the Hustle podcast. Please welcome John Lamoureux. Hello, John. Hey, Pat. Hey, everybody. We are, of course, doing an all Phil Collins solo episode tonight. That's uh, where my uh, pun came in. Uh, I wondered when I would drop that. I figured I'd drop it right up front. Get it out of the way. That's well, genius, by the way. Good job. Let people either fast forward or turn us off right now. Either <laughs> right. way. Uh, John, how is the pandemic treating you? Um, you know, good and bad. I, uh, As I, as you probably know, my dad died of COVID over the holidays. You know that what? I didn't know shock. that and when I asked the question, as soon as soon as I asked it, I was like, oh no, now I'm going to leave <laughs> talking about sorrow. I'm sorry. No, I it's okay. That. Yes. It's you- okay. I know you didn't. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, it, uh, my dad and I had a complicated relationship. And so on the one hand, I really, sometimes I really miss him. And sometimes I'm really glad that all that drama is not in my life anymore. And uh, to be honest, other than that and you know, the politics of last year, things are actually okay. I'm, I love my job. I'm doing well at it. We're planning vacations. We're going to go to Hawaii next month, hopefully if all goes well. So yeah. So trying to carry on with regular life, you know, as best we can. Good deal. Now I can see your CDs behind you uh, for the first time ever. You're usually in the laundry room. Your family Uh, (laughs) uh, puts you downstairs like an ogre. They lock yes. you down there. Yes. <laughs> how, many C- how many CDs uh, strong is your collection? About 2,500, probably. Great. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah. There's those, and then there's another shelf over there, and that closet right there has a bunch more in it. Nice, so, nice. I like that they're, uh, yeah. I'm assuming alphabetically and then chronologically by year. Is that right? Uh, no, just alphabet- alphabetical by artist and then alphabetical by album within the artist. All right, but if I go to uh, okay, oh, so they're not they're not earliest. If you were to, if you went to my Phil Collins section, you wouldn't it wouldn't be face value, um, you know, hello, I must be going, no jacket. Well, although it would because that's also alphabetical. But anyway, you get the imp- you get what I'm saying. Wow, you do it. Yeah, you, that's uh, that you do it different. You really? Do, yeah, my, I I have mine in 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 the order that they're released in release order, alphabetically uh-huh. and then release order. Maybe I should do that. I all Bowie is my biggest, you know, I got a chunk like that of yeah, yeah. Bowie and they're all alphabetical alphabetical. Maybe I should change it up a little bit. That's an interesting question. I think the Rolling Stones is my biggest chunk. Because mm. I have a ton of live stuff. Um yeah. and um what was I had another question about this. Uh okay, Phil Collins, he's in the C's, right? Not in the P's. Yes. No, he's in the C's. Some people put, yes. will put him in the P's. I'm like, that's not how you do it. 
No, not in the CDs. I mean, obviously in iTunes, he's in the P's, but I don't make the iTunes rule. Yeah, Somebody yeah, else does. And I'm not going to go through and do Collins, comma, Phil on everything. Right. So, so I'll live with it. Yeah, to make it I'm up- not the, the ninja that you are, the iTunes ninja. You're like uh, you're like a beautiful mind when it comes to iTunes. Have to well, have like, everything perfect and pristine. I, I like that metadata because uh, when I'm doing the show and I'm playing a song, I can click on the song then and reference something. And then sometimes people go, "Man, you know a lot." And I'm like, "It's in my metadata. I'm just reading it." Yeah. Okay. But uh, sometimes I know it. But um, right. <laughs> but uh, so now, during the pandemic, my show has turned into your show. Yeah, I know. Because I'm not I happy sw- about it. <laughs> I swore to God, I would always tell you, I'm never doing a phone interview. I'm never uh-huh. doing a Zoom interview. I'm not going to do it. That's not what I do. And now I just, I kind of didn't have a choice. I couldn't really record in person. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I it just, so it just, I started to book guests via Zoom. I know. And <laughs> I know. And they just kept coming and coming and coming. So, but, uh, but John, I, I swear to God, I am ready. I'm ready. Like I am so excited for this tonight, even though this is zoom, it's not right. Even, right. Even though I'm asking you some questions, it's uh-huh. uh, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to do what you do. I want to go back to doing that, you know, intermittently, you know, yeah. it's a ton of work. I, I appreciate you saying it is. And I appreciate you saying that it is. I, you know, I love you, but it also pains me when you're getting somebody I can't get, or you're the new guy in the block. I've been doing this for six years. You just started doing this last year, doing it, you know, not really. Right. You've been at it much longer than I have right. doing this particular kind of show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you have more listeners than I do. And I, I went from like, you know, being a guy who was going somewhere to being like the loser again. And so anyway, like loser, it just feels but, that way. But you also go for people that, that you that aren't on my radar too. Like who's, a, who's yeah. a big guest you recently had that I could give a crap about. Boy, I, I <laughs> most like, of them. I don't, yeah. They're, I don't like, know. You're, you know I, you're younger than me. So your, your wheelhouse of music is different from me. I grew yeah, up with, with, right. with a foreigner, cheap tricks, sticks, you know, this kind of stuff. And then you grew up with, uh, with your Depeche modes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you're yeah, reaching out our, for those one people. Of our, well, I I'm all open. I'll talk to anybody, but yes, I, those are the people that's like my comfort zone. So yeah. we had Will Sargent, the guitarist from Echo and the Bunnymen recently. And I mean, that's right in my wheelhouse, you know? So, uh, and you're not going to go after Will Sargent, no, and I, no, but no, I no. am. And that's one of our biggest episodes ever actually already. So, that, so yeah. that's a great thing. We, I know, we, but it, like we have, we have common ground in like Steve Stevens, but we both got him. Right. That's true. You, and you got I know we have common ground. I know, I know, I know. And you did, uh, just, you, uh, you did a deep dive on uh rebel yell, which that's the one that you're going to do the deep dive. I know. On. Now I, will I was try pretty to get, proud of that. Yeah. And I will try to get Steve again when a new album comes out and then I'll do a track by track of that. But yeah. um, who can't you get? Who yeah. you try? Who have you tried to get that you can't? Well, get? I mean, it's the same people as always. I want to talk to one of the Tears for Fears guys. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to, uh, there are some producers that I love. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of producers and those are always really fun. My listeners love great. the producer album yeah. uh, episodes. Um, Steve Lillywhite's some- one of my favorite producers ever. And he 
said he'd do it eventually. He was sick of talking about himself. <laughs> anyway, what were you going to say? I was going to say, those are some of my favorite ones that you do too. Um, because, thanks. um, because the producers, um, they have a wide variety of things that they do. So they, they produce some stuff that you love, but they'll also produce stuff that I love too. And just the stories, you know, of in the know. stuff is it's fantastic. They're the easiest to prepare for too. Cause I just look on their resume and I cherry pick like 15 things that I already know I like. Right. And just say, tell me about these, you yeah, know, it's done. Whereas someone else, I, I interviewed Graham Parker the other day and, um, I love Graham Parker mm -hmm. and I have almost all of his albums, but not memorized or anything, right, you know, I, have so I feel like memorized. exactly. So I'm thinking I got to bone up on my Graham Parker, you know, I mean, yes, I love him and I've, I'm invested in him, but can I name the fourth track on the album he put out in 2007? No, mm -hmm. you know, so I got to hurry and cram. It's like cramming for a final. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta go prepare my questions. I gotta prepare. Yeah. Uh, usually I do it the morning of, like if the, if my, if my interview is like at 10 AM, I get up at like five and then I just do it. And then it's really fresh <laughs> in my head. And True. Some people, I, I, yes. And some yeah. people requires more and some, like I could have done Brian Johnson from ACDC with nothing. I could True. have just turned on and done it. No problem. True. Uh, yeah. Do you feel like, uh, like for instance, I interviewed uh, the lead singer of Saga the other day, and I really like Saga, but they have like thirty albums, and I don't have all thirty of those. Albums. I know the you know one album. World is it Worlds right. Apart? Uh, yes. Okay. See, and um, so I, you know, I know some of the hits. I have a handful of their albums, mm -hmm. but in order to talk to him and feel as if I'm legitimate. And I want him to be happy. He agreed to talk to me. Right. I feel like I got to know all of it. And so for the weeks leading up to that, I listened to every saga album I could get my hands on. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Just so that I had, I felt more confident talking to him. And that, that's the part that, and I probably do that to myself. I don't know that everyone does that, but that's the part that is actually a lot of work mm -hmm. is, the, you know, uh, securing some brain space to devote. And I'm, and I work all day, so I'm yeah. working and I've got a saga album on in the background and I'm trying to decide how I feel about saga while I'm also, you know, working with my customers or what it's a, anyway, it's a lot. But it's, it's also like a magic trick too, because if you just knew, if you just studied five of the albums and you knew the most recent album and then the classic stuff, it's true. You would do a great interview and he would be super happy. I know. I just told myself to kind of more than that. What are you, um, what have you got going? Have you been able to, I know Jackson Brown has always been your number one. Are well, you any actually, closer to getting Jackson Brown? Chrissy Hind is really my number one. And then Jackson. Is that what the daily Chrissy's are now? Um, I just saw are you some kind really, of priming the pump. I just saw some really okay. cool photos of her online and I'm just like, I'm just going to do a daily Chrissy just for something to, uh, to tweet and something to engage with, you know? I, mm -hmm. I, I, I might be getting uh Ricky Lee Jones. So then I might do a daily Ricky mm -hmm. for a week or two, mm -hmm. but um, mm -hmm. no, Chrissy's my number one. Who's your number one. Well, um, it changes. I mean, I guess a guy that you don't even know, uh, the lead singer of Scritty Politti is one of my number okay. ones. Kurt Smith of tears for fears is one of my number ones. Steve Winwood, Anita Baker, Nina Cherry, 
Bruce Hornsby, um, all people that I find that I love their music, but I also find them kind of mysterious. Mm-hmm. Like I want to know what's what's the deal with you? What's really going on with you? Those types, <laughs> you know. Now your mic's cutting out a little bit. Do you want to try just trying your? Sure. Do you want to try just your your computer mic and see how that sounds? And this oh, will give you a chance to tell people that today's uh, there's been a couple episodes recently. My my mixing board that I've used for ele- almost eleven years it crapped out and it's gone. So like tonight I'm the audio I'm recording with zoom and I'm going to use zoom audio, but I have a new, I found one. I mm. found a mixing board on eBay and I purchased it and it's on the way, but I don't have it yet. So, you know, I'm uh okay. Um, hang on one sec. Now that sounded good, but when you you're can, mo- prob- can you still hear, can you I can still hear me? Right. I can hear you. Yeah. You can still hear me. Yeah. Right. I can hear you. I'm on like a wireless mic. Hang on. Well, John left the room, but I can still hear him. So, <laughs> so it's, it's weird they're talking to no one. So what did you just get? What did you get, John? This is tech talk. Well, I, I, this is tech talk. I uh, got some earbuds. And uh, instead of using my wireless headset, maybe the computer is not speaking to my wireless wireless headset right now. See, like, so now, I, now you sound fine. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's... Oh, uh, well, okay. Try wireless. Better. Let's try this. Yeah, try a wire. Now you were you were hardwired in a minute ago, but now you're wireless. I didn't have to be. I just was just in case. I think this so, sounds okay. better. Okay, good. Yeah. Let's leave it like this then. Yeah. So anyway, look, what I'm trying to tell people is Is uh, it Steve O that does the nerd talk? You guys are nerds. Is that yeah, Steve O Yeah, and if I if I did <laughs> if it wouldn't take me uh, too long to look for one of those <laughs> things, I would I would do. That's when I that's right. why uh when Kyle's here, it's great because I can find yeah. that thing. Um <laughs> What else do I want to add now? You, and your podcast has changed a little bit because you used to focus on how people make the money that mm-hmm. maybe had just a handful of hits. What do they do now? And now you don't cover that as much, right? It's not so specific. Yeah. Um, well, the whole show has sort of evolved in some ways. I mean, I still do cover. I at least ask one question about that in just right. about every interview. The original conceit of the podcast was to talk to people who only ever had like one album or were relatively obscure. The whole point was you had a moment in the spotlight and right. it didn't last very long. So what, what, what else did you do? But it got, it was, as you're finding now, it's easier than you think it is to get people you actually like and who have um, done more on the show, you know, especially now that podcasts are so, I mean, they're just everywhere now. So well, it- at the time of this record, uh, this w- w- the the episode of the drop this week when while we're talking, is uh, mm-hmm. is Klaus Mina from the Scorpions, mm-hmm. and I I got to be honest with you, th- that was one of the easiest bookings of all time. I really? sent an email. <laughs> I sent an email. They said uh, uh, the band's recording, so Klaus can't do it for a few weeks. Then they again. I said okay, I'll I'll, I'll touch base in a couple weeks. A week later, they they reached back and said no, Klaus would like to do it now. So, uh, oh, wow. here's the date and, um, can you do this time? And, and, and that was it. That was it. It was like so easy. Now, how did you find him? So, because if, to me, there's only a couple of ways there's, if they have a contact button on their website uh-huh. and you, and someone actually manages it and right. runs it, you might get a response or the same could be said for like their Facebook page 
once in a while I'll stalk someone on Twitter. I hate doing that yeah. because the whole world can see it. Yeah, I've done um, that a but little that's bit. How I got, that's how I got Saga. That's how I got Echo and the Bunny Men. That's how I got Graham Parker. Yeah. So it does happen sometimes. Yeah. You know, it works out, but I feel really gross doing it. Yeah. So how do you get someone like Klaus? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I would tell you that off mic, but I don't want to throw out our know. trade secrets to everyone listening. Good. You know what okay. I mean? Good idea. A lot, yeah, of times, a lot of times it's a lot of work. I remember after I booked, yeah. uh, after I got Melissa Etheridge, someone contacted me and said, hey, can you give me Melissa Etheridge's contact info? And I said, no. Mm. I go, I really worked yeah. really hard to find that. <laughs> and if you hunt around, maybe you'll find it too, but I'm not yeah. going to give that up. Yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah, good. Okay. Because I would, I've sometimes have people ask me to ask you how you get certain guests. And I'm like, let's just let Pat have his moment. Yeah. I mean, we don't need to go after him. Got a couple of those after Brian Johnson. And I just said, yeah, do it for 10 years. (laughs) And and I haven't, and and I've been working on it since October. I've been working on it for four months. Uh It's actually an insulting question when people ask, ask it like that. Not when you ask it, but when, you know what I mean? It's right. insulting. It's Other like, people, you, yeah. You not do, have I you know. seen who we've had? Of course, we're going to uh, once in a while score. You know, top right. of the heap. So I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's hard work. Is what it is. That's what gets it. It is. It um, is, folks. We do this for you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so Phil Collins, I I never saw Phil solo. I did see Genesis once on the self-titled Genesis album. No, no, that's not right. I saw them on the invisible touch tour. Okay. But it wasn't great because it was at three river stadium in Pittsburgh, which is no longer there. And their stage wasn't like, it wasn't like a rolling stones where they have a stage for an outdoor venue. It was almost like they had their indoor stage in the stadium. It it wasn't great. And screens weren't what they were back then. So I was going to ask you about that. Okay. It's, I almost feel like I didn't see them. Like I heard them, but yeah. not. So, right. I mean, they sounded good, but I, I couldn't say that that was one of my top concert mm-hmm. experiences. But you saw Phil when he came through through most recently. Mm-hmm. How was yeah, that? he, uh, it was fantastic. And that's, that's what kind of got me. Well, so, okay. I saw him about a year and a half ago here in Denver, and it was a really beautiful experience. And, um, I, my take on Phil, I'm sure we'll expand on this as we go, is that he was really good in the eighties. So good that everyone gobbled up everything he did. And in the process, he became overexposed and he recognized that and thought, okay, well, if you don't like me anymore, then I'm just going to go away. And so he did. Yeah. The sad thing about that is that for not just him, any artist is like, they go away thinking, People don't like me anymore. I'm a, you don't like, you never liked me. This is all a joke. When in reality, it's like, we just need a little break, Phil. That's probably, you know. Right. So anyway, the longer he stayed away, the more of those hits kind of regained their footing as being, no, these are really good songs. You know, yeah. I may not have wanted to hear Easy Lover anymore, but when I listen to it now, it's fantastic. And so that kind of brought him back and eased him back into, you know, public life. And so the last few years of him touring has just been like a victory lap. I, I think I told you before when I saw him, it was like a living wake because his his health is not good. Mm-hmm. And so you don't know how much longer it's going to last. Right. And this was a way to just pour love all over him. 
uh, while he was still alive to receive it and appreciate it. You know, he's not even old. He's just 70. No. I mean, Mick Mick Jagger's like 77, I think. And he just a new song today with Dave Grohl and he's rocking his ass off. I mean, he's really rocking. And I think did Phil sit for this tour that you saw? He did. Yeah. He walks out on stage. No, his son did. Uh, he walks out on stage with a cane mm-hmm. and he sits in like a, looks almost like a barber chair or something like that, you know, okay. in the front of the stage and it swivels. And so he kind of can kind of connect with the crowd a little bit as he's swimming, swiveling around, ta- singing to everybody. And he's got just the greatest band you've ever heard, Lee yeah. Sklar and everybody behind him. And, um, and uh, it just sounds fantastic. And it's just one hit song after another that, you know, and love, you know, but even though his body was frail, his voice was still strong. His voice sounded good enough to me. I mean, maybe if he was, if the band had been weaker, maybe you would have been able to detect more weakness in his voice, mm-hmm. but his voice sounded pretty good. And the band is amazing. And so all together, you don't, I didn't feel like I lost anything. In fact, uh, Yes, it would have been nice to have seen him back in his prime like you did, although it sounds like that experience was nothing too, yeah, too yeah, special. It, it wasn't anything special. Yeah, but I'm glad I got to see him like this, you know, especially if yeah. he's going to be done soon. Yeah, you know? I wanted I wanted to his, see uh, I was just going to say his arthritis apparently is so bad he can hardly stand up most of the time. Well, they, so and, who knows what more he can do. And Genesis has a tour that they're going to do. So I don't know how that's going well, to happen. I don't either. Other than I think that barber chair in the center works, you All know, right. and if uh, his son can play the drums behind him, then let's just, if you're going to pay me millions of dollars to sit in a barber chair in front of 70,000 people and sing these songs. Great. I'll take your money. You know? Yeah. How hard would traveling be though? If you're not, if you're failing like that so rough but again you yeah, never you don't know how you you have no idea how anyone's going to age or i mean again it's no. it's an old reference but who thought keith richards would still be kicking that guy I still know. smokes because now he figures yeah. what's what, what what am i going to gain a year if i stop now so yeah all right yeah. so let's let's get into it he's got eight studio albums he's got a bunch of soundtrack songs He's uh, we're not doing any Genesis. This is just Phil solo. And um, yeah, at the time, like first solo album is 1981 and it goes, uh, goes five times platinum in the U S alone. Do you think, do you think Genesis were worried at that point? Um, possibly. Um, yeah, especially because now Mike Rutherford has, some success, not to this level, but with Mike and the Mechanics. Sure. Or Tony Banks, who is largely the the number one architect of that Genesis sound. The, right. He's the proggiest of all of them. His solo career doesn't do anything. No. And yet he's the guy who's really creating most of the Genesis sound. Yeah. It's kind of sad. But that's one of the cool things I think about Phil um, is that he made sure to use his Midas touch on genesis on the artists he was producing that decade everywhere yeah. he just spread it around to everybody you know and i thought that was really cool and um i mean as long as uh as long as phil's gonna keep coming back to genesis those guys probably eventually realized well, phil's gonna still play with us so it's just upping 
our uh, what do I want to say? Right. Our Q rating, profile. our profile. Yes. Every time he's out there, people go, yeah. "Oh yeah, he's also in Genesis." So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. how much work did this guy do? I mean, in the eighties. I mean, I know. Did he did he do solo tours on his solo albums too, or did I don't even remember how much touring he did? I was looking a lot of that up. I um, I don't believe he did for the first one, Face Value. Um, I think he might have some for the next one. And then I know he did for No Jacket Required. No Jacket was huge. Yeah. From then on, it was kind of bouncing back and forth. And lo- looking back at this, I wish Sting would have been more of a solo artist like Phil. Go make your solo album and then come back to the police and then make another yeah. and come back to the yeah. police. But he, instead, he just, he was done with the police. You know, and it's uh, the more you learn about that situation, the more you can kind of see how I don't know how Stuart, Stuart and Sting specifically, but how the three of them you're just at the mercy of Sting and his you ego. really are, and you he's really the cash are. cow. And uh, and no one ar- argues that he's not talented and everything, but you are just at his mercy, and that's that would be a hard way to live, yeah. I think you're almost decade, always at the mercy of the lead singer, though, kind of, you know what I mean true it's true mm-hmm. i mean if journey was yeah. coming to town and steve perry was coming to town on the same night i'd go see steve perry i mean i'd, I'd usually i'd always go see the singer for the most part yeah, yeah. i mean it's just how true. it is all right let's yeah. get into it face value released february 13th 1981 what do you think of this album so i have a uh, <clears throat> i have a hot take to me, Phil Collins' career, Phil Collins is the Robin Williams of rock and roll. So if you think about, I've been thinking a lot about this, Paul. But uh, it's because uh, they both Pat, wear the baggy more than pants. I probably, they wear the baggy pants. Well, <laughs> I feel like they they sort of <clears throat> own a, a, a similar piece of real estate in our hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. They uh, They both seem, they both put out really good work most of the time, not all the time. They put out a lot of garbage too. Mm-hmm. They both have a, a thing that makes them sort of lovable. And in Phil's case, they're both, they both seem like really funny guys, but who have apparently really dark sides. There's a lot of questionable divorces in there right. and drug use and right. behavior and all that kind of stuff. So while the public persona is always very lighthearted and fun, you know that there are some demons going back, going on back in there. And I feel like their careers take a similar trajectory where to me, face value is like, is like Robin Williams doing the world according to Garp yes. and Moscow on the Hudson and maybe some Popeye where it's both arty, but also commercial too. And he's trying to kind of merge the two and find his footing. And that's where, uh, and I'm going to be going, whether you like it or not, I'm going to be going back to this trope for the rest of this conversation. <laughs> so, oh no. Oh no. Get ready. Get ready. <laughs> Anyway, I do like this this uh, album. It's not my favorite, and it's uh, the anyway. It's not my favorite. He, I, I'm no, I'm baffled as to why such a great drummer relies so heavily on the drum machine throughout most of his solo work. Um, I wish he didn't always do that, but yeah. this album is nice. It's not uh, my favorite. It's four stars, four out of five. That's good. Okay, and your first song tonight is. Well, I'm going to kick it off with Tomorrow Never Knows okay. because 
I don't think this is necessarily a gr- good or necessary cover, but the original is my very favorite Beatles song. And right. so as a curio, let's hear a little bit of what Phil did with this track. All right, here it comes. Bear with me, people. I'm, I'm doing everything on one laptop. Hold on. I'm just going to decide when we've heard enough. That's perfectly fine. I assume okay. you play about a minute. So I have a question for you. Were you, you're older than me. Did you buy this album in real time? Were you aware of Genesis and him going solo and all that kind of stuff as it was um, happening? Yeah, but I didn't, um, I did not buy this album in real time. I think, uh, mm. I think hello. I must be going is the first one I bought. I don't, I, yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure. Um, and uh, there are songs on this album that sound like Genesis at that time for me also. So, um, and I'm just, I, I like this album, but I don't, I don't, um, I don't love this album. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good. You can't deny it. it's good. Yeah. It just, no, the, it next, is. the next two are the real sweet spot for me. Mm-hmm. But the first, um, not, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Continue. Well, I was going to say not to self-promote, but last year, last fall, we had a producer on named Nick Lane, who uh, was Hugh Padgham. Hugh Padgham was his like mentor. Okay. And so early on, he did, he worked with Hugh Padgham on all kinds of early, uh, early eighties albums like this one. And um, he tells the story on our show about being in the room when Phil recorded the drums for in the air tonight. Wow. And how him and Hugh are just waiting. Like, are you ever going to play what's going on? When are you going to come in? And because Phil didn't tell them what he was going to do ahead of time. Uh-huh. He just said, I worked it out. I have an idea. I'm just going to go in and do it. And they're sitting, Phil sitting at the drum kit. They're waiting and waiting and waiting. Are you ever, what are you doing? <laughs> and finally Phil comes in with this Im- amazing drum thing that just knocks them on their butt. Phil comes in. What did you think? They're like, it was great. He says, I think I can do it better. Delete that. And so they don't want to delete it, but Phil makes them erase what he just did. And he goes back in and does it one more time. And that's the version, the thing that's on the final version. And Nick is just talking about the panic he's feeling because he just heard the greatest drum fill of his life. And the guy who does it wants him to erase it because he wants to do it differently. Anyway, fascinating story. Great story. Well, I, I think I have it for us. So let's hear it. Here we go. Let's do it.
right is that it or is it is this yeah that's it, it. okay yeah it's fantastic no, that's it that's the that's the thing yeah the uh the guy that really yeah. made out with this uh phil collins and genesis stuff is you padgham because yeah. he produced yeah. both and He's, i mean and St- yeah. he would have made out the same way with sting and the police too because he was working with those guys too yeah who else is he yeah worked with? I he was uh uh, I mean, I feel like a ton of names. Now they're all not coming to me right this minute. But um, I tried to get him on my show a while ago, and I got turned down. And then he did a buddy of mine's show recently. And that guy's show isn't as popular as my show. I hate when that happens. How you know what I mean? You, you get turned down. and then the... How do you get turned down? What do they tell you? Uh, now's not a good time, or I'm afraid Hugh's not talking to anyone right now, or um, thank you, but no, or, you know, maybe when we have something to promote, okay. which is almost always just means no. Um, and you can ask me when we're going to promote something and I'm going to tell you no then too, you know? Okay. We, and, and I've told you before up, that I'm, know. I'm relentless. Like I, you, they literally have someone has to tell me never email me again. <laughs> That's what I need to hear. <laughs> Otherwise I'm, I'm going to, I keep going. Um, yeah, I know. All right, your your second song off face. Oh yeah, my second one. Sorry, I feel like I keep derailing us. I picked I missed again, which I mean I know these are we're playing the hits, but I love one of the things that you got to know about Phil is that at his heart there's a lot of soul and R and B in there, and um, he does he yes, and most of the time he does it really well, and I really like the horns. And uh, the guitar work and the piano work on this song. So I went with I Missed Again. It's fun. And this is one for me that could have been a Genesis song too. This one. Mm -hmm. Here we go. I Missed Again. the album's almost worth owning just for that song i love that i song agree so much i agree do you think he um do you think he's properly rated underrated or overrated as a drummer just the drummer hmm um i think he's i think he's properly rated i think there's a yeah okay 
I, I'm gonna I, I'm I don't know if I'm gonna tell this story exactly right, but Jason Bonham told this story on Howard Stern, and you can find it and and hear it the real way. Um, Jason Bonham's a kid and he's playing drums, and um, Phil Collins is on TV and John Bonham comes in and goes, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm watching this guy Phil Collins. He's he's the greatest he's the greatest drummer I've ever seen." And and John Bonham goes, "What, what are you talking about?" And and so so what he does is he teaches Jason in like a half hour, the thing that Phil's doing on the thing. And then he tells me, he goes, now, do you think a 12 year old kid in a half hour could learn what the greatest drummer of all time is doing? He's like, he's not the greatest drummer. And uh, of course, Jason tells it better. He lived it, but it's so, it's such a funny story. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, wow. I think he does. Wow. the. I think he does the job that, that needs to be done for the songs they're recording. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, when he, yeah. he, if you go and watch him, I mean, look, why, do, why does Genesis have two drummers then? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it probably so that he can, it frees him up to be a front man and work the stage okay, and sing the songs. All right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I think, uh, there aren't a lot of drummers out there that I know when I hear them and I know when I hear Phil. I mean, yeah, he has, sound. he has his own usually. sound. Sure. Yeah. So I like, and I like that about him. He's better anyway, than John I was just curious Henley. what you thought of him as a, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> most people are. Uh, all I right. shouldn't say that, but I'm not, uh, yeah, anyway. Okay. What's your other pick? Uh, I got behind the lines. Nice. Moving on, the following year, 1982. And I think there's a Genesis album between these two, correct? I believe so. Is that when Abacab came I think, out? I think Abacab is after Hello, I Must Be Going. I think maybe Duke. Comes I thought the self-titled one with. Maybe yeah. Duke. Okay, maybe it's Abacab, Face Value, Duke. Um. Hello, because that's all an illegal alien. I feel like those came after hello. I don't remember. Let me, let me look. Why, why am I not looking? Why are we, why? Because you don't have, because you don't have, what's his name anymore? Artie. I'm looking anymore to look this stuff up. Okay, Okay. here we go. I am looking right now. And let me see. Duke came out in 80 and then face value. Yeah. Then face value is February 81. And then Abacab is September 81. Okay. And then hello, I must be going is November 82. So there's tons and tons of stuff happening in Phil Collins is uh, orbit. Uh, yes. This album, exactly. al- this album also sells 3 million copies, which is highly respectable. 
even though it's two million less than face value. And uh, and this one's my favorite because there's a, there's some downer songs on there's some downer songs on face value. Oh yeah. I mean, I won't say hello. I must be going is his best album. It's but it's my favorite. So what yeah, do you got? That's how you- I, I know how that is. Well, um, I, I gotta hit it. I gotta start it with "Don't Care Anymore" because that's probably my favorite Phil song. And I mean, as I said earlier, he's got this really bright, upbeat public persona, but you know that there's some there's darkness going on behind the scenes. And I feel like this is his just primal scream song, letting all that dark side out, and it, it is so effective. I mean, I used to play on, you know, in high school, I'd play this song on a loop when I was just especially <laughs> mad at something or someone it's perfect or for that. It's annoyed some girl that. didn't like me or whatever, you know? Oh, so good. Here we From go. From the top. Yes. That's a word you could use for so many of Phil Collins. Yes. Haunting. Yes. That's it. This now, I think about, this your is, favorite song is on this album, right? Sorry, we keep is, talking over each other. It is. And it's, it's, um, it'll, it's coming up right now. And there's okay. a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, uh, don't can't cannot, you know, and for the next two albums, there's a lot of that. It's, it's almost like Ramon's titles. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, my my favorite Phil Collins song is uh is like China. I just love it. I like that he sings a little in Cockney and I just love it. he chose to sing in that i mean is that ju- that's just the character i guess like i an guess actor. yeah but i love it because yeah. i know who i am i love it right. yeah um well maybe that has something you know he started out i think wanting to be an actor when he yeah. was a kid he was like a child actor and stuff so that's probably just him expressing that side of himself 
um, what's the one, what's the Genesis song where he's, <laughs> you know, when he's, that's mama. Mother, mama, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Couldn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you like, um, do you like what he decided to do with the album covers? I was going to ask you about that too. I do. And, uh, so much so that it's jarring when he stops doing it yeah. eventually with, and, yeah. um, and I, there's no rhyme or reason to it. So yeah, what do you, you love that, right? I mean, it's, it's a brand, it's a branding it's a brand. thing that we all come to love. And it's like, he's, he's, um, he's not an ugly guy, but he's not a matinee idol. So, mm-hmm. but so to put his face right out and, and it works perfectly for face value, but then when he, he just kept, yeah, I'm just going to put my face as big as possible. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Now the, the reissues made me angry though, because I like that he redid the covers, but I felt that there should have been like a slip case with the redo. And then when you take it off the original covers there. So that's just me as a person who buys physical media. uh, And I, I'm trying to look for something to be angry about. <laughs> Don't we all? Um, yes, I agree. Although he looks great. I mean, in every one of the remastered covers, yeah. you know, he's got the, there's nice shadows on his cheeks yeah. and all that kind of stuff. He looks very, you know, thin and not as round or pudgy as he did yeah, when he was it's, younger. It's, and quite a process to do that. Yeah. You know, normally you just go, yeah, remaster him, put the bonus tracks on and, we're cool. Yeah. I also like that he handwrites the um the liner notes to this. How yeah. long does and the, the lyrics that's even the, the legal wording, like the copyright yes, stuff. He does the, all that too. It's some wild. He even drew like yeah. the Atlantic logo on a call. It's like, I mean, that's time consuming. Yeah. But yeah. he he knew what he wanted to do. So that's cool. Yeah, it is. Right. What's your second song from Well, Hulk? I'm gonna make it a care combo here and go with do you know do you care which is kind of another kind of darker song on the album yep I just looked at this real quick while that song was playing. He's he as a solo artist, he is outselling Genesis because um Abacab sells two million copies. 
And then this thing comes out and sells 3 million. <laughs> and then I'm getting ahead of myself, but then um, self-titled Genesis comes out and it sells 4 million. <laughs> but Hello, I Must Be Going comes out. And eventually, I mean, I'm sorry, No Jacket Required comes out and eventually sells 12 million. So it's, uh, it's wild. How much did Invisible Touch do? Because that had to be huge. Invisible Touch goes 6 million. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it had been more than that. Okay. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, he's selling, uh, you know, bottom line, he's selling a ton of albums. He's on a streak unlike yeah. anyone. Just yeah. It's like, let's, yeah. you know, and again, if you have, if you have uh, four ex-wives and a bunch of kids, you make that money. <laughs> um, all right. My second pick is a, is a don't, it's a contraction song. It don't matter to me. the horns love the horns yeah good yeah all right yeah two little things i want to mention little bits of trivia number one if you've ever noticed that on the song through these walls uses almost the exact same drum pattern as in the air tonight i i did not and notice that i i know i was looking it up to get ready to do this and he expressed at one point that he he knew what he did and he was, and uh, he kind of regretted it afterwards okay. using basically that same drum fill for a different song. I he thought that was kind of from himself. Basically. Yes. And that uh, that's a motif that's going to come up in the next album too. That I'll tell you about, but before we hit that album, he has two singles independently of those out al- of the albums. He's got this one. Did this, I don't I guess I could look it up against all odds. So good. Obviously nominated for an Academy Award, right? Mm-hmm. Did it win? I don't believe this one won. I think um I think it was the uh one from White Knights, maybe one. Okay. Separate ways or whatever it is. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh yeah, but th- I mean this one written written by Phil Collins. This is a Phil Collins song. This is against the against all odds. How can you just walk away?
number one single. Yeah. This starts a, a string of, he's involved in six top 10 singles in a row. The next six things he releases as Phil Collins. And I got to be honest, they're actually uh, five of them go top five. And then the other ones at number seven. So this is just, this is unbelievable. It is. Um, Seriously. Is that not one of the best ballads ever? Have you, I have never gotten sick of that song. No, it's great. And it's gorgeous still. And and if you were going through a breakup when that song came out, it was gut wrenching. And, um, yes. Uh, but the movie against all odds, not a good movie though. Right? No, I've only seen it once or twice. Maybe I think so too. Um, yeah, no, but that song is just the best. Yeah. And, uh, and the single went gold number one gold. Then he works with uh, a member of earth, wind and fire. Does he produce the whole album or does he just, he does Chinese wall, Philip Bailey's Chinese wall album. Yeah. So this is easy lover. This goes, this goes to number two. are great there's yeah. not there's not a lot of duets with two guys and what i love what i love the best about it is it doesn't lose the essence of phil collins or philip bailey it's a perfect Agreed. melding of those two uh two guys that's perfectly said um and i think i learned recently that that was the last song they did for the album they um as as often happens, as right, you know, yeah, well, yeah. this is good, but we we just need that one more thing that's just going to really catch fire on radio. And so yeah. they write this. And I always think when I hear that, if you could have, if you can pull a song like this out of your butt when you have to, right. why don't you do it every time? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't understand. I, but I, I, I can don't. think of I can think of two off the top of my head. This, I mean. If there was a way to research these easily, this would be a great rock solid topic. But I know dancing with dancing in the dark on born yep. in the USA was like, we need one more. We need and um and carry on wayward son was the was the really? last song written for West uh, Left Overture. Yeah. I think too, not that it's a great song, it's not as good as the ones you just mentioned, but um speaking of Sting again on mm-hmm. Nothing Like the Sun. We'll be together, which is by far the poppiest, yeah, definitely most radio friendly thing on that. That was someone saying, Sting, you've got to help us out here. Yeah, this whole did. thing is like jazz. We need something. <laughs> we need, so yeah. he spits out, We'll be together. And that's the first single, you know? And, um, my favorite Todd, Todd Rundgren album is uh, the ever popular Tortured Artist Effect. And I think that was, uh, I think that was an album that he had to do to fulfill a contract. And he just kind of, 
spit the whole thing out and i love it so much i'm like if you can just do these pop hits like you said yeah. why not do it all the time yeah. all right here's the monster no jacket required have we hit your favorite phil album yet this is it i think i think no jacket is a perfect album um and, it, uh, and it, that doesn't that's not there's a couple of songs on it that i don't like my least favorite song is one more night mm -hmm. which just doesn't do anything for me it never really did although i don't hate it but it's kind of boring to me but when the worst song on the on an album was still a number one hit right that's pretty good you know what i mean yeah. and so when i say it's a perfect album i don't i just mean it's got a little bit of everything it's diverse the the most of the hits are still a lot of fun to me i love sue studio so yep i, I do I could be on a loop all the time. The songs that are lesser known are just as good, if not better than some of the singles. True. So I just think it's a, it's an album you could put on start to finish and enjoy every second of it. And that doesn't happen very often. So this is, um, this is, this is his best album, right? I, I think so. Yes. I mean, yeah. our opinion, we feel this is his best <laughs> album. And we're I mean, clearly the experts. That's why we're doing this. Right. And uh, I mean, it's, it's sold the most, which that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best, but this in 1985, this struck a chord with everyone. G guys liked it. Girls liked it. I mean, radio liked it. And again, we have a guy that does not look like sting. He's not, mm -hmm. he's not rugged like Springsteen. You know, he's not androgynous like Bowie or Prince. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of, just a guy like that you could run into at Every the grocery man. store. Every man. Yeah. But he's a, uh, but that might be part of the appeal too, because then you're like, well, maybe I could be. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, I've talked about it before. I'm not going to play it today, but the B side man with the horn. I love mm -hmm. like, yeah, uh, that's your what, song. That's my song. No jacket required. What's your first song? Well, I'm going to, let's see the, my, I'm going to go with doesn't anybody stay together anymore Okay. because I love the drum intro on this. Mm -hmm. Again, you know that it's Phil as soon as you hear it. Yep. And in fact, what's interesting, I learned, I, I didn't learn, but I pieced together as we were getting ready to talk. This same drum intro is used on an Eric Clapton song called hold on from his album, August, which Phil produced. Okay. And, uh, I have that album and I noticed that, but I didn't, I want to make sure that I brought those two little worlds together for you here. That's what I, that's what we do. Yeah. And, and by the wisdom. way, you bring up a good point while he's making Genesis albums and yes. he's producing, uh, Philip Bailey and Eric Clapton and, and Frida from, uh, ABBA and, and probably Howard Jones. Yeah. All these people, yeah. no wonder yeah. his marriages fell apart. I know. <laughs> I, know. I mean, luckily he was making the money to keep everyone. Yeah. But I mean, just, but I mean, I've never been at a point in my career where just, I'll use like a Ryan Seacrest as an example. Once stuff comes in, you just, you can't say no to any of it. Mm -hmm. You got a radio show and a TV, a couple of TV shows and a talk show. And, and you just, cause you're like, why would I say no? Eventually offers yeah. aren't going to come in. I just have to do it all. Right. So. Right. Doesn't anybody Make it while you can. Yep. Doesn't. Yeah. From the beginning. It? I love this. And, uh, obviously the answer to this, uh, in Phil Collins household is, uh, is 
Well, you know. No, they don't. Yeah, that's a great song. It's just undeniable. Uh, Sting yeah. also is on this album in some places. Peter Gabriel is on this album in some places. Lee Sklar, the aforementioned Lee Sklar. Mm-hmm. He was on your show, right? Yeah, you did a you did a solo episode. He was, yeah. I did. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's great. I love that guy. He is great. Okay, my... Yeah, hoping to bring all those guys back for some deep dives here soon. Yeah, I... Um... So what's your pick? Oh, go ahead. Um, no, I'm moving on. I'm moving on, John. Okay. Okay. Fine. <laughs> like, fine. Fine. This is, this is like, like this song sounds like a bunch of the songs from, uh, from, uh, hello. I must be going. Maybe that's why I like it. Uh, but I, I just, I mean, and some of these songs almost start to sound the same, but I, it doesn't matter to me. I just love the song. I don't want to know. I was uh, I was in college in 1985, and everybody had this record. Mm-hmm. Everyone had it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's good. Did you yeah. you had it too? I guess. Yeah. You, yeah. Did you buy it in real time? I believe. Well, I know that I I know I had the one more night single because that's oh, how okay. I found Man with the Horn. Oh, uh, got it. Yeah, I, I I would imagine I bought that album then the album when it came out yeah probably after okay. i heard whatever the second single was i was probably all all yeah. in all right what's your next track um okay well for starters i i should go back to um my um trope of robin williams so hello i must be going is sort of you know robin is beginning to find his foot commercially with like that poet society and uh 
and Good Morning Vietnam. But then this is in this album, this is when things just kind of explode. We've got, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire, Against All Odds is like, uh, you know, we've got Awakenings and the Fisher King. And suddenly everything he's touching, Jumanji, everything Robin Williams is touching is box office gold. Right. Everything Phil is touching is record gold. Same thing. Every song, everything. So I think my other favorite Phil Collins song is Take Me Home. And it's one of those songs that I could just go on and on for hours. And I just love the vibe of it. It really picks me up. And um, I think I can't remember where I told the story before, but when I saw him in concert, I was up in the nosebleeds. I just bought mm -hmm. a cheap ticket so I could go. And um, this was what he closed out the show with. And at that point, everyone stood up in the whole room, you know? Wow. And the whole room is singing. This is at the Pepsi Center where the Nuggets play. It's a big place. The whole room is singing, take me home. You know, the that chanting kind of chorus. Yeah. I'm getting goosebumps now. And I try, I'm, I'm opening my mouth to sing and I'm so, I get so choked up. I can't even quite make out the words. And it's just because the beauty of the moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. Paying respect to this guy who wrote these songs that you took for granted and now you love and you're remembering how much you love him. And it's enough to uplift this room full of people. And it's a gorgeous song. And we're celebrating him. It was, I was so overwhelmed. I'm all goosebumpy now. It was just, what, I'll never forget that moment. I couldn't even sing out loud because I kept choking myself up. And you were there by yourself? I was there by myself. I just bought myself a ticket and went one night. And then uh, to add to the emotion is uh, not that, not that he's going to pass away, but you're, you're also thinking he might not, he might not do a solo. Yeah run like this this might be the last time exactly and yep, then uh exactly. and then to make fun of you john i'll say uh every time you stand up you're in the nosebleeds <laughs> so yes, come on true. True. all right Good point. let's hear it it's great take me home it's undeniable yeah. these songs aren't a uh, pop song length. No, you know, they're four true. plus minutes, five plus minutes. Yeah. Also, also a thing about this album is this was, I, this started to happen. I believe around this time, a uh, bonus track on the compact disc. Yes. We said, hello, uh, goodbye, we said which, hello which is a good, great song. A great song. Yeah. So um, that got some radio play. I, I remember so hearing too. that song on a radio a couple times and wondering where it had come from. Because it wasn't on the whatever I had of no jacket, it wasn't on there at the time. Well, if the uh, if the labels back then wanted to get you to, you know, not buy vinyl, that was the way to do it. Yeah. Um. And my next song is, and again, four minutes and forty nine seconds, but I just love it. Don't lose my number. 
mean, these guys with losing their numbers, Billy can't keep one. Ricky, Ricky can't hang on to one. Come on guys, write it down. I know when I had Lee on, I said, Lee, when, when, um, when Phil came in and started singing, don't lose my number. Cause you're not anywhere that I can find you. Did anyone <laughs> stop and shake him and say, what, you, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> and, uh, I was, I was looking it up to get ready for this. And apparently he knew that he, he was like, you know, I was trying to kind of go for some sort of like story espionage kind of, you know, action packed thing, but I didn't quite get there. So I just sort of alluded to it. It's an odd, odd song, but it was fun. Just like everything else he did at that time. And Lee Sklar's making money. So he's like, yeah, it was, we didn't care what he was doing. Yeah, whatever. We're along for the ride, Phil. Uh, it, it's like it's like this Paul Stanley lyric that drives me crazy. It's from his solo album. The album, the song is Wouldn't You Like to Know Me? Do you know that song? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a great song. Uh, uh, the lyric is, I tried to call you when you were not home. <laughs> and why, why, why would you try to call the person when they're not home? doesn't make any sense well it it sings better you know i guess i guess and again i'll go back to this one a million times tonight there's going to be a jailbreak somewhere in this town (laughs) pretty sure we know where that's going to happen john (laughs) jail right all right so he's got all these hits and then he does a duet for the movie white knights with a song called Separate Lives, which I believe written by Stephen Bishop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's hear a little bit of that with Marilyn Martin. Do I feel lonely too? Because of this song, Marilyn Martin gets an album deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you like that song? I do like that song. Do you? I like it. I like. I don't like when Steven sings it by himself, but I do like it as this duet. Mm. Yeah, I like it better as this duet too. It for me, it's a little, it's a little heavy and gloopy. Doesn't okay. quite go anywhere. Um, Stephen Bishop wrote this for. I always get Karen Allen and Nancy Allen mixed up. Which one was in Raiders that he was dating at the time? Karen. The lost, Karen, Karen Allen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was dating her and they were breaking up and he wrote this song about them. You have no right. It was based on a phone call that they had. I, I, I love Stephen Bishop, but sometimes his slow songs can get really slow right. and really kind of drag to me. And this one is one of them. But it is beautiful and powerful. I'm just not always in the mood for it. Uh, I will agree with that, even though I do like it. Uh, we, got two, we got two more songs from 1988 from the Buster soundtrack, a movie that Phil was in. I've never seen this movie. 
I saw it once on TV years ago. It was kind of boring. Is it about a bank robber? I think so. Yeah. It's a true story. I believe I saw it like edited on cable one night and with commercials and everything. And I was, you know, after 20 minutes, I was kind of on my phone. Yeah. I probably needed to pay more attention. It's probably the best way to watch a movie with commercial interruptions and full frame, <laughs> full frame aspect ratio. <laughs> right, um, right. But again, here's the deal. Uh, hey, Phil, we want you to be in this movie and we'd like you to do some songs and yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, why not? And he spits out two really good ones. These songs are both fun. Yeah. Here we go. First one I'm going to play is Two Hearts. There's no We're going to move right along to A Groovy Kind of Love. That's a remake. nice songs yeah that one's also a little slow a little too slow and gloopy for me but it's still nice yeah sometimes a phil collin a phil collins slow song is really slow it is that's going to come up in a couple of albums i'll save yes. my thoughts on that so yeah. i want to find out what's happening with uh with the genesis and everything during this time uh after like we said after no jacket required then invisible touch came out which was mm-hmm. gigantic yep. and and a great album yes six, six million copies mm-hmm. and then uh it's a we're we're not yet back to a to a genesis album because they don't have another one out till 91 so phil is full-on in solo mm-hmm. mode right now mm-hmm. and the next album is uh but seriously Mm-hmm. 1989 and he does get more serious on this album this one to me is when things start getting a little too bloated you know yeah um i think it's probably the influence of the big music that's happening with bands like u2 and simple minds that are yeah. making these very big important albums that feel important tears for fears is part of this too you know grand epic statements and Phil of course wants to be a part of that too. I mean, every song on here goes a minute or two longer than it probably needs to. Absolutely. Um, and it just, it's not that it's bad, but it's a lot. It's a lot of work. And there's uh there's less fun songs in very the much. So, you know, it's, it's okay. If you're getting a, uh, a couple of downers, if you're getting three downers among 11, 
but this just and this album uh the cd comes in at 59 minutes Mm -hmm. so i mean it's a lot it is a lot so what's your first song john well i picked the two you know peppier ones on here so for starters the first track hanging long enough because it it's very driving and the horns are great and i i love it all right here we go I like that one a lot. One of the peppier ones, like you said, one of the fun ones. Let me give you a quick rundown of some people that are on this album. We got uh, Pino Palladino, Eric Clapton, David Crosby, Stephen Bishop, Steve Winwood. Uh, yeah, a lot of people on this album too. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone wants to play with them. Why not? You're Why gonna not? Play, you're going to play on a hit record. That's right. Most likely. Um, my first tune is, and again, it's over five minutes long. It's, I wish it would rain down. Yeah. Push comes to shove. I might only like about six of the 10 songs. Mm-hmm. Same. And, Same. The, and the other ones, I'm not saying they're bad. I just don't like them. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of see, you know, uh, another day in paradise is a nice song, but it's, it's kind of got that one more night feel of me of just being slightly too ponderous. And like I said, everything goes on too long going back to Robin Williams. This is that kind of, you know, Goodwill hunting patch Adams area where it's right. still commercially big, but it's also starting to get bogged down with some goop of like what dreams may come and flubber. And so the, you know, the, <laughs> the flubber. It's, starting to, it's not quite as golden. The goose is not quite as golden as he had been, but yeah. it's uh, still commercial, still good. And then it all, and oh, well, no, 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 we're not there yet. I'll save my feelings about both sides. Oh, we're we're only at number feelings. we're only at number four of eight. Oh goodness! Oh goodness! <laughs> it falls <laughs> off a ledge big time here in a it, little bit. It really does. Uh, 
your next song is great though. Introduce yeah, so, something happened on the way to heaven from the beginning. Again, the horns. That last song, uh, hanging long enough, sounds like something Earth, Wind, and Fire would have done. This yep. is just. when the drums are kicking and the horns are there and it's an upbeat sing-along song i'm all in on this phil collins same same for sure now sadly my next song is the one that you just uh you mentioned which is another day in paradise and i do i am a sucker sometimes though for a song with a message Mm, yes i mean and there's uh and there's a you know there's a lot going on in this song I can't remember any videos from this album. I know there were videos, but they're not, they didn't make it. Well, I remember. Uh, yeah. I remember all of them. This one had a video. Um, the last one you did, um, uh, wish it would rain had one. Uh, the one I just played, something happened. Yeah. I remember the videos and it, it was interesting. This was, uh, it was interesting hearing Phil get political or at least socially minded. Cause he yeah. wasn't always that way, you know? Yeah. And so here's a very strong message song that's coming from someone as fun loving as Phil. That felt a little, that was kind of shocking at the time. This yeah. is a really great song. My daughter loves this song. She plays it all the time. I, mean, um, I just, it can be a little gloopy for me. Six years earlier, he's wearing a sombrero and a mustache and singing Illegal Alien. So this is a, right. a total shift. Uh, from what he was doing, uh, that has to be one of, that's one of the top songs that has not aged well is alien. I know. And I'm sure at the time they thought it would be kind of funny. I remember the video. I don't always like to retrospect retroactively get angry at people for doing something that they didn't, that didn't seem that bad at the time. Right. You know, but, uh, yeah, I think we all know that that's, he knows that song has an age. Yeah. Well, that's never going to make it into a Genesis set list no. in 2021. No. Never no again. No, no way. All right, here we go. Another day in paradise is for John's daughter. Right, so this album sells four million copies. 
Then he hops over to Genesis. They do the We Can't Dance album in 91. That sells 4 million. And these are just in the States. It's yeah. selling massive numbers worldwide. And then he comes back to the solo career in 93. And this album still goes platinum. But uh, here's where we get our first uh, dip. Everything from here on out is sketchy to me. It's really sketchy. It is. And this album to me is almost unlistenable. I cannot stand this album. Talk about heavy and goopy and long. it It was hard to pick two songs. It was. Me too. Me too. I picked both sides because that's kind of peppy and it sounds like it's got some um, bagpipes in it or something. It's sort of rollicking. I liked it. After that, it's tough. There's there's four songs that are over six minutes long. There's two songs that are seven minutes long. The rest are five minutes except for one, which is 440. So it's just, it's just needed. It needed something. This is like, he's just getting too serious on this one. What do you you got? What's your first one? So play the first one, both sides. Uh, That's really the only song on this album I like. It's really the only song on this album I like too. And I knew you were going to pick it because there's not much to pick, (laughs) even though I did go and pick two. This this song has some emotional weight and, Uh um, and I like it, but, but man, this, this is about it. So here's here's one of the problems, John. Produced by Phil Collins by himself, all instruments by Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean all that he it. doesn't mean that he's not can't play all those instruments. No. It's just um he didn't have anyone no. to answer to. Guess what? Uh this may not surprise you. I was reading up on this album to get ready to talk to you. Turns out, of course, this is his favorite of all of his solo albums. Of course it is. Yeah, just like, and I know everyone disagrees with me, but Nylon Curtain is Billy Joel's favorite solo album. And I can't, I, I like that album lots better than this one. At least that one has like Allentown and, and uh, Pressure. And Pressure. And there's some good Goodnight singles Saigon. on that album. There, there's, yes. three, there's three strong singles on that. Exactly. There's great singles on that album. The rest to me is over artistic noodling. And that, yeah, this is Phil. I just imagine in a closet with a drum machine that he's yeah. plinking on and pe- 
trying different buttons and writing six or seven minute. He's going through a divorce again. Face value was a divorce album. This is a divorce album. And uh, he just has lost his touch. And yep. again, Robin Williams has lost his touch at this point too. He's never going to really, you know, stream, uh, head up a big mo- box office movie. They, it just, he's lost it and he never quite, get, quite gets it back. And, um, and I'm sure the, I'm sure the label was not thrilled with this album, but he's Phil Collins and he hasn't let them down. So they just, let's put it out there and see what happens. Yeah. Okay. And your first song is, oh no, my first song. Is, we just played your first song. I picked uh, every day. <laughs> That's what I picked. Well, I got lost, couldn't find my way. I don't hate this. And I guess there's nothing more to say. Looking at you blind, me, you act so strange. But I'm From here, just... here I will stay. Both sides of the story, the song went to number 25, and this was the second single. It went to number 24. So look. But I, I mean, don't think they, that wasn't on pop charts though, was it? That was on like adult contemporary, I think. This on Wikipedia just is, uh, it's in the pop chart. Is it really? Because I thought I read that and said that he didn't have any more top 40s. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. Yeah. It, uh, oof. I know. Tough, man. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. It's rough. This is a this is a weird show because um, it goes downhill. <laughs> Going downhill. I know the first half is we're saying how great Phil so, is. The fantastic. second half we're like, was Phil ever very good? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I here's the deal. Like, I see what your next song is. I have no idea how this song goes. I don't even. It was honestly the only other song on the album that was remotely peppy at all survivors all right survivors coming in at six minutes and five seconds yes I know, wow. I know. Well, it was either that or every other song on there is just wimpy drum machines. Like, can't turn back the years. I wrote down some of them. They're yeah. terrible. Yeah, um, I, picked, I picked We Wait and We Wonder, and it's clocks in at seven minutes and one second. Way too long. So If this was 
a three minute and 45 second song, it might be, it might be cool. You know, it's funny. I thought I even said out loud that was still survivors. I thought that was still survivors because they sounded almost identical. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. There's just, this thing is unlistenable. I'll never listen to it again. I know, but I, but I own it. Cause I bought, I bought all those two discs that I, I bought the box set. So I have it. Yeah. And uh, you know, sometimes an album that you don't like, as you get older, you're like, Oh, this is really yeah. hitting the chord, but this one never yeah. does with me. It just never Maybe does. when I get divorced for the second time, this one will really yeah. speak to me. Yeah. Like, like I can't, I would have to be trapped in the car with only this CD. <laughs> the radio doesn't work because I'm out in the middle of nowhere and I have nothing else to listen to, but then I might just listen to both sides of the story on a loop. <laughs> That's right. I couldn't do it. I cannot do it. This thing's terrible. Okay. So 90, there's no, there's no Genesis albums. Now the next Genesis album is without Phil. Cause I guess he basically, I guess he leaves the band for a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this album is dancing to the light. Let me see the credits on this one. You Padgham's back. Mm-hmm. This one. Uh, Cause I didn't buy this when it came out. Mm-hmm. I might've heard this for the first time just within the last 10 years. Same. That's this, true for the next one too, for me. Yeah. But I, I like this album. I don't, I don't I, mind it. It, it, um, I now, really I love, Oh, go ahead. What I was going to say, please. I don't mind. It isn't a reigning endorsement though. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Basically nothing. Well, nothing after no jacket. Am I going to put on very often? Uh-huh. I might put on, uh, but seriously, occasionally, but everything after that, I don't know that I'll ever play any of them, but dance into the light. It has its charm. I really love African music in general. I don't care who's uh-huh. doing it. And so the fact that I do think it's a little odd that he's doing it. Um, I would ra- some of these songs, I would almost rather like the talking heads did them or Yusu yeah. Endor or somebody with a little more credit African credibility or whatever, yeah. but that makes sense. I do it. I admire the effort. Um, the cover is odd. I've never, this is when he abandons the, the face. face and the handwriting. Yeah. It Did you find funny. out why? Uh, probably arthritis. <laughs> He's got carpal tunnel. You can't do that writing anymore. <laughs> and when John, when you talk about uh, artists who do African music, you're talking about Paul Simon. Well, that too. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, who appropriate, I mean, the same could be said for talking heads who appropriate well, African music, but I'm a sucker for African rhythms and like, you know, I love that kind of music. Johnny well, Clegg you, and Savuka. I love that stuff. Which is your first song? Well, it's a uh, wear my hat, which is kind of a fun, upbeat number. It it's sounds really very fun. much. Yeah. Sounds almost like something vampire weekend might do. Yeah. This is, this is a fun song. Me up and down and undress me with 
hear that on Graceland, especially right there when he said, I don't need it. That sounds like something that Paul Simon. Good catch. Good catch. Yes. And I don't know if you're a talking heads guy, but it sounds a lot like what would have been on their last album naked, like um, nothing but flowers. If you know that song, I know the hits, I know the hits of talking heads for sure. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know the albums. Okay. Did you you have, uh, did you have someone from talking heads on the show? I did. Yeah. They were our, Every year for our birthday, I try to have like an extra special guest. And Jerry Harrison was our fifth birthday special guest last year. And was he cool? It was okay. It was not, it was, I, I, I'm a tough critic because if I don't have the kind of conversation I want to have, Mm -hmm. to me, it can often then be a disappointment. Okay. But other listeners don't know that they don't know what my expectations are. Right. Right. And so to them, it's probably fine. To me, it's like you didn't. We didn't get into half the stuff I wanted to get into because you talked too long about the blues or whatever. That you right. know. So at the time, I was kind of frustrated by it, but now it's fine. And to pull the curtain back a little bit, when you do these interviews, you don't use Zoom, correct? I have started using Zoom now that the every the rest of the world is using Zoom. And yeah. do you find it's easier when you're seeing the person though? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Because for um, I because I always thought what you did was so difficult because you can't gauge if they're enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it might sound like they're not, but then you see them and you know they are. You know what I mean? There's there's yeah. There's so many things that come with being able to see the person. It's true, and to know when they're really done talking, so right. you're not going to talk over them, and um, yeah, all that stuff. It. Uh, it's really, I'll do anything now. I mean, if somebody's more comfortable, like Graham Parker was more comfortable on Skype. So we did Skype for that one. So I didn't see him. Okay. But most people now at Zoom, some people, I just call them, you know, they just, they're not, on. they, I call them through Skype just on their phone. It's just, I'll do whatever. It's a Zoom world now. Everyone yeah. knows Zoom. So, see, you know, I, I, there, there were two of my people that I didn't know I wasn't going to be able to see them. Um, Slim Jim Phantom, and he was at a restaurant eating lunch. So that's never good. And then uh, Phil Ehart from Kansas. Uh, I couldn't see him, but he was fantastic. He was, uh, he had such a good time that he sent me a, a me- he called me and he told me that was one of the best interviews he had ever done in his whole career. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but I still wish I would have been able to see him. But yeah. because I couldn't see him, I was really, um, I was really paying hyper attention that day, but, um, but yeah, if, if, um, if they say, oh no, we won't, we won't do zoom. Can we just do the phone? I I still don't want to do that. It's that's difficult. Plus, because I know it's so much fun to see the people, Uh, a little, a little thing that I do is I keep my camera closed like this. Mm -hmm. And then it says, you know, whoever, whoever's coming in the window. So then I let them in the zoom, but I still keep my camera closed so that I can take a look at them. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, maybe as a fan, but just mm-hmm. take it all in, see what kind of yeah. room they're in, see how they look, see if they're, they look happy. And yeah. then, then I reveal myself. That's mm-hmm. just how 
I like to do it. That's cool. That's a cool trick. Yeah. It is. Isn't it amazing sometimes when you're looking right in the face of somebody that you always have known? I, I can imagine, Brian, for me, and I don't, I, I mean, I like this woman a lot. Melissa Manchester, I talked to her last fall and I like her. I'm not like super fan where I, right. you know, I'm going to go gaga or whatever, but it was blowing my mind, staring right. into the face of Melissa Manchester as I'm talking to her. And I don't know why her of all people was hitting me that hard, but it was, I just thought I've known you my entire life, you know, and here we are looking right yeah. at each other. Amazing. Well, you just never know. I, um, I didn't really, I didn't know any Susie Quattro music, but I watched that Susie Q documentary and I became such an immediate fan because I didn't Thanks. realize, you know, like I've had guests on, uh, Cherie Curry and, and Lita Ford and they, and they tell you how much Susie Quattro meant to them, but I, I didn't know it. She didn't mean that to me. I, I'm, I mean, but I'm such a big fan. And then the first time I got to interview her, it, it we just had like i just felt we had a connection like i felt like i felt like sometimes you feel like oh i think we're friends i think i'm friends with her right and then, and then i just uh i just interviewed her again for the new album we went track by track and i had the same feeling again That's so great. it was just a, it was just a joy to open the wind you know to yeah she popped up there's like, your hey, friend Susie. you know yeah. this 70 year old woman who's in london and we're hitting it off so uh yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, the zoom thing can be fun. It is. Um, and another thing about seeing people, I just interviewed Doug Aldrich and Glenn Hughes from dead daisies mm -hmm. and they were both fantastic, but I could see that in my mind, I felt like Glenn was getting ready to wrap it up. Mm -hmm. Like we had talked, we, he felt like he sufficiently talked about the new album and now vocally, he, he didn't give me any impression. That was just a feeling I got right. because Body I language. because I could see him. And so, um, and so soon after I, I wrapped it up, but, mm -hmm. um, otherwise maybe I would have kept going. And I would have got, how much right. longer is this going to be? You know, one of those, right. and you're like, Oh, what? Huh? Oh, okay. Right. I, I didn't know. know. Um, okay. I picked, uh, from dancing to the light. I picked the title track, the first mm -hmm. single, and it's fun. Just like, uh, just the song you like the song you picked. These are yeah. fun songs. You can come on out, Now there's no turning back. We had each other. We have one voice. Because the train is coming to carry you Now, in 1996, this album still sells half a million copies in the U.S. Mm -hmm. But by this point, this point, he's he, he no one cares about Phil Collins anymore. No, he's long gone. And I've always wondered too if this album was a was a sort of overcorrection for the the last album, which was so sad and so insular of just him. Yeah. Now we've got a, all this organic or instrumentation. I believe so. I, I absolutely. And, dancing into the light and all this stuff. But I mean, it's 11 years since yeah. um, no jacket required. You're, you're not going to get that audience back. No, no, you're not. You're not. I mean, it's like when Don Henley had 
two gigantic solo albums and then went 10 years until the next one. I mean, it's got to be a grand slam and, and, and it wasn't right. Had some good songs on it, but you can't, you can't be away that long. No, you really have to orchestrate that comeback perfectly, which uh, Tina Turner, you know, did it well. She's in the news right now. So of course she was kind of top of mind when I thought of this, you really have to have a whole team, millions of dollars to promote your new thing saying the queen of rock is back. Here's Tina, you know, like you've never seen her before or whatever. That's just not going to happen. I mean, people might laugh, but you can't, and you'll agree with me, but you might laugh bad out of hell too. I mean, every, they yeah. did everything right. Yes, they did. And it worked. And it I worked. Mean, that was in 1993. Mm-hmm. I mean, when people say grunge came in and ruined music, it certainly didn't hurt Meatloaf's comeback. Oh, it didn't. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. He's the well, one have, guy. I know. You have to, I don't, it's so tricky. I don't know how. It's so much luck. You realize a lot of this is luck. Did the did the video look right? Did the album cover look right? Like, you know, Bad Out of Hell's album cover is kind of darker and more evil looking. Yeah. And the 90s were a darker and more evil period. It it almost that almost helped. You know what I mean? Yeah. The video to like uh I'll do anything when he's the ogre or whatever. Yeah. That's scarier, a little, it's not peppy. It's not fun. It's darker and heavier. Like the nineties were, you just, you have to count on little things like that, doing the trick, selling your thing for you. But as easily as that was a success, it could have just as easily been the biggest turd of all time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Never know. That's unbelievable. Okay. Uh, let's get through this, John. What's next? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, this is actually, yeah, again, going back of another fun kind of African song, take me down. Um, yeah, I just like it. This there's i I'm not going to reach for this album very often, but it's peppy. It's okay. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is lost. I'm sure I've been here before sometime. Some bridges are reached, but some never are crossed. I'll take me down, take me down to the water. Take my hand and be all I should know. Here I am, and I'm waiting for you. Just give me a sign off. Don't let me go. Take me down, take me down to the water. Take my hand and be all I should know. There's literally nothing you can say about this album other than, yeah, and here's a song, and it's a fun song. <laughs> I mean, there's bit- nothing. It doesn't. It it doesn't have emotional weight. It's um. It's almost just frivolous. I don't know what yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, like here's my here the the second song I picked. I I don't even I don't even know how it goes, John. <laughs> I don't even like I don't even know. So it's called uh, that's what you said because I. <laughs> If this would have been the follow-up to No Jacket Required, maybe it would have been a gigantic hit. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Who but knows? in 96, no, no. dice. No. Um, um, 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do you think him doing this, taking this African turn is what led Disney to pick him to do the Tarzan songs? Uh, I've always assumed there had to be a connection there. Possibly. It's because, I mean, the, the shine was off Phil Collins at that point. So for them to even choose him was... Yeah, it was true. interesting, but I mean, that was gigantic for him. He won an Academy Award, got a star on the Walk of Fame, which is his star is right in front of the um, of the uh, the Disney Theater. What's it called on Hollywood Boulevard? The Al Capitan Theater, <laughs> because they had the premiere there. And then I think he got his star on, on the Walk of Fame that week. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was amazing for him. Yeah. I don't have any of their songs queued up and I don't have any. That's fine. Right, any brother bear songs queued up. I do have it in 1998. He released an album called hits, which this is strong. And then he recorded a, a Cindy Lauper song. So let's hear his version of true Uh, colors. I hate this. You hate the song or his version, but all versions of this song. Okay. All right. Now, when you tell me that you hate this song, I uh I don't hate it, but but I I I in my head I go, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> I understand how that song might not be enjoyable to people. I don't know why I've never liked it. I, I like Cindy's version even less. And it's it was written by the guy you had on who also wrote Eternal Flame, which is one of my least favorite songs of all time. Yeah, Tom Tom Kelly. You don't like Eternal That's Flame. I hate Eternal Flame. Hate it. I, I don't I like a lot of other stuff that guy did. That but, at all. Oh, oh my Kelly, gosh. Kelly really? Steinberg. Well, I Garbage. love the Bangles. I love I know. I love that song. No. Garbage. Terrible. It's trash. <laughs> Garbage. He throws it right in the trash. I um, do. I like to pull back the uh, the window the the window, uh-huh. the curtain. I am really uh, I'm stumbling over my words tonight. Right. Um. Right. I like to pull back the curtain of podcasting when you're on because we have some of the same experiences, and uh, I don't know that other podcasts talk like this, mm-hmm. like like I like to talk, mm-hmm. but um, I'm sure there are. I'm not breaking ground. Is that a, is that a term? I don't even know what I'm yes, saying. Yes, of course it is. But um, breaking new ground. But who were some of the people that you thought you were going to get? No problem. This is a lock. I'm getting this person. This is easy. And then you just couldn't get them. Do you have some of those people? I have lots of them. And uh, one of them is partly <laughs> your fault. I, I love Howard Jones. I um everybody I know How has had Howard. Fault? I don't even like Howard Jones. Because I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you why this is your fault. Oh my god. Uh, everyone I know pretty much has had Howard on their podcast. And his publicist, I e I used to email every few months. 
Oh, I know where this is going. Yes. And she would say, no, he's really busy right now working on this or that. Uh, Maybe, you know, in a couple of months. And then I'd email in a couple of months and she'd say he's really busy doing this or that. In the meantime, I would see him on someone else's podcast. Right. And that makes you mad. That makes me mad. And one of the times I was there visiting you, you were telling me how you just play hardball with these people. And I do. Yes. And you're like, you know what, lady? No one else tells me no, except for you. You're the only one, you know? So I'm like, I'm going to do the Pat Francis on Howard, on Howard Jones's publicist. And I'm like, look, look, you've been t- blowing me off for years. What do I have to do to make this happen? Do I have to send you a gift? Is the problem that I'm not good enough or I'm not big enough? Yeah. Just be straight with me. What do I have to do? I'm a huge fan. I know more about Howard Jones than most of the people that he talks to. Yeah. Why not me? Now she won't return any of my emails. No. <laughs> she, and if she does, because I still email her every yeah, few yeah. months. And she also handles Tom Bailey from the Thompson Twins, who I also really love. She won't go near me. And if she does, it's no. It's like one word emails, you know? And I think, man, it's because I did what Pat suggested that uh, I'm never going to get Howard Jones on the show now and i've had people who know howard put in a good word for me with howard Uh and she's still in the middle and won't let it happen drives me crazy yeah i was um i've been going after ricky ricky lee jones for so long and i just can't believe it it's not happening and then finally just a couple months ago her guy said don't ask for ricky anymore Mm. so her new book comes out this week so I mean, I emailed him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey, is Ricky doing press for the new book? And he said, I'm no longer working with Ricky Lee Jones. <laughs> so, but that's good because right. now I'm yes. now. So today I, I emailed the proper person and she got right back to me immediately. And she said, she said, um, I'm talking to Ricky about this right now. So hang tight. Mm. So, I mean, you know what I nice. mean? Yes, but, I do. But what, I, what I would do is when, uh, and what John said is partly true. That is the way I, but what I do is if I don't hear back from someone, then the email I eventually send is, Hey, I've been doing this for however many years it would be. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're the only publicist to never get back to me. Mm. I go. And then I will say something like, aren't you hired to get publicity for <laughs> your artist? And wouldn't they be disappointed to know that you're not doing everything you could do to get their name out there. And then literally instantly, like I will get an email. Oh my God. So sorry. Went to spam or whatever they say. But now that doesn't mean that I get them on the show, but I do, I would get it, you know, something back. Yeah. But yeah, my two people that I thought have been a, were a lock. I think I told you this on the phone a couple of weeks ago. Joan Osborne, mm-hmm. well, three of them, Joan Osborne, Suzanne Vega, and Mary Chapin Carpenter. Mm-hmm. I'm gigantic fans of all three of these women. They mm-hmm. all have brand new albums out. I feel that no one even knows these albums are out. True. They're all good albums. And I literally thought these were a no brainer, mm-hmm. especially, you know, pandemic, the whole mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. And just can't make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'll have listeners tell me like, I, like with Joan, I, one of our, one of my listeners a 
couple years ago knew her or knew someone who knew her. And he's mm-hmm. like, I can get you Joan. And then it never works out. And that happens a lot. Someone was supposed to get me Kenny Loggins a while ago. Yeah. Someone was supposed to get me Nikki six recently. And it, all these people though, have publicists that cock block you from like getting directly in front of them. You know, that if you could get directly in front of Joan, she would probably say yes. Yeah. Or Mary Chapin Carpenter. But there's there's all these layers in between you and them yeah. that's making this not happen. You know, if you could bypass those layers, it would work. And the Mary Chapin Carpenter people keep telling me that they're still working on it. I'm like, well, mm. what do you got to work on? She's at home. She's not touring. Right. <laughs> we're we're just we're just getting further and further from the release date of that album. You know, it's out. Mm-hmm. What do we come on? Yeah. And I, I tell them, I talk about the album. That's how we start. I'll talk about the album up top a lot. Then we'll go into the career. Then we'll close out with talking about the album. I mean, if you've listened to, uh, I don't want to give away a lot of secrets, but if you listen to these zoom interviews, I do, it's kind there's kind of a template mm-hmm. to what I'm doing with these, you know, I'm not playing songs in real time because if I did, that would take away from the hour that I've been promised that I have mm-hmm. for the interview. But right. if there's songs I w- want to talk about, I just kind of like tee it up, mm-hmm. you know, even mm-hmm. if it's as simple as, Oh, one of my favorite songs in this album is uh, wear my hat. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. that's when I know I'm going to drop it in. But anyway, right. I um, do that too. But yeah, it's frustrating when um, it is it's frustrating. All right. Not it as is. frustrating as these last two albums. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost uh, I'm, I'm almost debating do we just play one a piece off these last good you could if you wanted well the going back the the Motown one I have I, I'd like to play both my songs you for can, Motown I don't can. care what you do for testify <laughs> and I'll explain why I kind of feel like testify is not a bad album no it's I just don't know it well enough right that's the one that I had never heard before getting ready to do this, not the whole way through. And, uh, it's okay. You know, it's, uh, it's back to rock. It's rockier, peppier, more organic, um, instrumentation. The songs are still long, longer than they need to be. Um, it's just that at this point, you're not interested in anything. Phil Collins has to say, his he doesn't face, have the, his, his yes. face is back on the album, but not his writing, which I don't understand. Testify is in some kind of, font yeah it's like a a rubber stamp type font yes yeah and um yeah it's just no one's interested uh this is not a bad album at all it's just it's unnecessary and then i want to see who's involved uh with the production on this rob cavallo oh yeah so he's trying to get some uh cred with uh some young producers Mm -hmm. um what do you got from testify um well i'm gonna start in case i only do one it's not even that I love this song necessarily, but driving me crazy um, at the beginning has kind of like a techno trancey vibe in the, in the intro, okay. which was sort of going, you know, that's happening a lot of, you know, chemical brothers and those kinds of trip hop and everything are happening in, in the UK at the time. So it was sort of him, I think, adjusting to the music that's happening around there, whether he did it or well or not, I don't know. But anyway, drive me crazy from the beginning. All right, here we go.
20 years earlier, that's a hit. Yeah. And it is him adjusting to the kind of trends of the time. It's not bad, but um, yeah, Testify gets lost in the shuffle. Uh, Tim Pierce plays guitar on this entire album. Mm. Pretty amazing. I, yeah. I <laughs> I wish I could do Tim over. I had him on the show and every question I asked him, he didn't really remember what he had done. And I don't know if he really didn't remember because it was like an assembly line for him. I mean, he's playing. Yeah hundreds of things a day and he doesn't know which part ends up on which song and all this kind of yeah, stuff true or if he just didn't want to get into it with me and uh, it was kind of un- and he's a really nice guy super nice he just i couldn't get any good stories out of him because he couldn't remember anything or didn't want to remember anything the uh I, i've been starting and this will be before what the audience hears um i've been s- starting usually by asking them what question are you sick of? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, that kind of lo- has been loosening them up. They go, yeah. Oh yeah. Please don't ask me about this. I'm tired. You know and I'm like? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll say, Oh, I was going to ask you that. So I'm mm-hmm. glad, or I'll go, I was not going to ask you, you know, whatever, whatever I feel like telling them. But, um, mm-hmm. what, um, Oh, I was just going to jump on something that you just said. I forgot Tim Pierce, not remembering anything. Um, yeah, I forget. I'm not wanting to remember. Okay. Maybe I'll remember while we hear this song that no one will has ever heard before, uh, in a public forum. It's a song and I don't even know how it goes. I don't know it at all. It's called, it's not too late. It's not too late to stop listening. Steadfast in a chair Somewhere out there Never seen Her hopes and dreams Lie waiting Until she finds an answer She won't be going nowhere Yeah, you know, again, may, you know, if this is on face value, maybe you love it. I know what I was going to say. Um, maybe Billy Joel had the right idea by he, when he stopped making new records. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe he had, maybe, maybe that was smart. Well, Phil basically did that too. Other than the next album, which we'll talk about, which is such an oddity. Uh, he basically stepped away too. And again, going back to Robin Williams, when Robin Williams felt unloved and bogged down by his inner demons he decided to kill himself when phil felt that way he left for switzerland and never came back you know for 20 years i i think the way to go would be to go to switzerland i think because so <laughs> yes. phil, phil could still come back if he wanted yeah. to 
Yeah. I don't know. Well, and similarly to both of them, once, once they're gone, you start realizing that you miss certain things about them. Now people love, you know, Oh, Robin Williams was so funny. I miss his movies. Well, you weren't going to see them anymore. You were kind of sick of the sick of the shtick by that point, you know, and similar with, we weren't paying attention to testify. We didn't want more Phil. No. Um, we'll play one more and we'll play yours. Cause I think this was the single. Oh, okay. I didn't even know that. Um, wake up call. All right, let's hear it. Get out about and shout it. competing with in 2002 for radio airplay i mean insane yeah um i don't even know i mean at that point isn't it like britney spears and stuff like that i guess so yeah Christina aguilera you're not going to get on there no let me ask you this and you don't have to name a person unless you want <laughs> to what what in your head is your who is your worst interview you don't have to name the person if you don't want to yeah. Um, but what one were you just like, Ugh. yeah, there's been a few I'll name them because <laughs> I still like their few, music. There's and, been a few. <laughs> there have been, well, sometimes, like I've said, I, I go where I think I smell an interesting story Yeah. and sometimes I'm wrong. You know, um, that Jerry Harrison one at the time was a real huge disappointment because it was not the conversation I wanted to have with yeah. a band I loved, you know? Another one that goes down as one of my very least favorite was John Hall of the band Orleans. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is that he uh, he went on to be a senator from yeah, uh, the state of New York. Uh-huh. And I read his book to get ready to talk to him. And the book was 85% politics. Okay. And that's all. So the conversation was, sounded like just one giant politician doing a stump speech gotcha it was and it was so boring and nothing i mean nothing against him he's a nice guy and i'm we're aligned politically and Mm -hmm. those orleans songs are fun and everything like that but i just was so bored and uh and i'm just imagining all the people listening going like is this guy ever gonna stop and talk about still the one instead because that's (laughs) what we're here for you know so those are two of the ones that kind of disappointed me this is a, I'll tell you mine. And then I, I would always say to Kyle, like, cause sometimes I would, I would like um, reference the guy without saying his name. But if you listen to the show, you would know who I was talking about and he's not a musician, but, and Kyle would be like, Are you sure you want to say that? I'm like, he doesn't listen to the show. And then like two years ago, he sent me an email and he said, Oh, this week's episode with blah, blah, blah was great. And I'm like, oh no, does he listen all the time? But it's, um, it's a guy, he, uh, he, he was one of the guys involved in Rhino records. Oh yeah. I remember. I think we talked about this and he just, um, in the room, he just wasn't, he just wasn't on. Mm-hmm. And then, um, he uh, he came back to sign books because I got 10 books from the publisher mm. and he was fantastic. 
And then I've run into him at concerts and he's really fun and nice and remembers me. But on the show, it just, it just was not, was not going. It just wasn't great. Right. This wasn't great. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, hopefully, if, you know, if he writes another book, I'll have him back and um, <laughs> maybe he'll be, be more comfortable. Maybe he's just maybe. not, you know, I think sometimes maybe people get behind the mic and they're, you know, if you're not used to that. Right. I don't know. You would think people, if you're selling something or you're creating something, whatever it might be, don't you want to talk about it? You know, don't you get excited to talk about it? It's just weird to me. Well, the other thing I would ask him questions and he would go, it's in the book. And I'd be like, and I would like motion to him. I would go, I know it's in the book. <laughs> and then, uh, and then at, at one point I just had to say, but then we cut it out. I go, look, I, I know it's in the book, but I want you to tell it. And I want people to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I go, you know, and I didn't yeah. read the book, John, but I was just like, <laughs> I can't read a whole, I can't read a whole book before someone comes on. I, I try. I, do you really? I, I yeah, just, I try. I, I flip through and I'll find points mm-hmm. and then I'll, you know, and then I'll reference it as if I read the book. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, you know. I know. Sometimes people come on and they have a book and I didn't know that until getting just before getting ready mm-hmm. to talk. And I'll, and I'll even say to them, I, I pride myself on always reading people's book before they came, come on. I didn't get a chance to read yours. So if I ask you something and you think if you'd read my book, you would know, please forgive me. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Right. You know, right. And they always, they always are fine with that. So I remember when I used to watch late night with David Letterman. And I, I had a feeling I always knew when he didn't like someone's movie, because he would say, I haven't yet seen the movie. And it was always a movie that was like, mm. so I'm like, he saw it. He didn't like yeah. it. He doesn't want to say anything bad. So right. that's what he says. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, like Brian Johnson has a book coming out in October mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like I'll, I'll probably be able to get him back on the show because now I have a, I have the in. He's your buddy. Yeah. yeah. He's my, he's, and then uh, Liz Fair's album's coming out this year. And she told me she would come back and, and do a legit talk about her career episode. So that's great. I'm looking forward to both of those. Yeah. Cause those great. were, uh, those were two memorable ones for me. For sure. Uh, all right. Let's go to one of the most memorable <laughs> Phil Collins albums. You know, it from 2010 burned <laughs> up the charts. There's nothing like a covers album to, to get, uh, to get oh, the juices man. flowing. Going back and then re-released yeah. as the essential going back in which they took some songs off. It was weird. Yeah. But um, you picked a couple in this. What do you got for me? I did. And there's, and I have reasons for it. Um, I think my favorite drum intro of any song ever is to the original Nowhere to Run by Martha and the Vandellas. All right. And Phil does a very um, loyal, very... Um, exact cover of that song of every song on this uh, on this album is an exact cover so let's listen to the beginning of his and i'll tell you why i picked it all right here it comes
covers these songs he does a great job he does they um i'm torn on this because like for instance his version of you can't hurry love is probably my favorite version i still think of that song as a phil song because that's what that was the one that i remember seeing that on solid gold and that was what turned me on to phil and this to me is an album that you do when you're rich enough to do whatever the heck you want yeah and uh so he just figures i love motown i play the drums I'm going to make an absolutely 100% faithful cover album of my favorite Motown songs. And it's almost, you know, I was thinking about that remake of Psycho that was shot for shot. Right. And this is almost worse. This is not worse in the sense that it's bad. It's not that it's bad because these songs are so bulletproof. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do them exactly, you can't screw them up. But it's almost as if you watch Psycho and they've superimposed Vince Vaughn's face over Anthony Perkins' face right. or Anne Heche's face over Vivian Lee's face or a Janet Lee's face instead of remaking the movie. It's so exact that it's just it's like, why? Why would you ever reach for Phil Collins' version of Nowhere to Run yeah. over Martha and the Vandellas? You never would, you know? That's um. It's so funny because I just watched Psycho 1 through 4 over Ooh. the past mm-hmm. couple of weeks and uh, and the remake is the next one on my list. Even though I've seen it and I don't like it, I'm, I've only seen it once, so yeah. time yeah. to watch it again. This is just what you do when you can, because it might be fun for you. And, uh, but I got to say, have you ever been to Motown? I have not. Yeah, I was in Detroit a couple of years ago on a business trip, and I had some time before I had to go to the airport. So I went to Motown and did the whole tour and everything. And uh, you go into the studio where they record all those songs and the mics are still dangling from the ceiling. And there's a picture of the Temptations standing around that microphone that's right in front of you, you know, harmonizing. And there's the piano that Marvin Gaye played. And over in the corner was the drums. And I even asked the tour guide, is that like, is that the exact set of drums that Benny Benjamin played on Nowhere to Run? She's like, yeah, that's it. And it's just you are in a very hollowed space. Um, the entire museum itself needs a lot of work, but when you're in that room, that studio where those songs came from, mm-hmm. there's nothing like it. And you, you walk into like the front office and you sit down like on a couch and the lady's like, this is the front office. This is Diana Ross sat in that chair right there. The couch you're sitting on Stevie wonder sat right there. Smokey Robinson sat in that chair. You're just like, I, I can't believe that, I'm breathing the same air, right. you know, my tush is touching the same couch cushion that Stevie wonder touched. Well, John, you know that I've interviewed the first lady of Motown just the last week. So I know you did. Congratulations. I, I, I feel, uh, I feel, uh, in touch with Motown. Yes. Um, there was, a. this is, a similar, although I've not been there. I just saw it on 60 minutes last night. Um, I didn't know that you could tour Paisley park. Oh, you can now. Yeah. And they, I think uh, our they, friend uh, Craig Smith has done that. They showed your friend. He doesn't it. like me. He likes you. <laughs> no, he doesn't. It's okay. He loves you. He doesn't. Why like doesn't you. he like you? I have no idea. I don't know. 
maybe him and Jerry Harrison have a, you know, maybe they've worked something out, but yeah, they showed inside it and it looks amazing. And there's like, they like have, they have like doves in, in like a cage. That really? fly around. I mean, it's, it's pretty neat. They showed inside because yeah, they, um, even, they even had still photos of the vault. Wow. Yeah. Because when you find- take the tour, you're not allowed to take cameras. You have to lock them in because you can't take any pictures. Well, this is for a 60 minutes uh, expose. That's great. Because there's a new, uh, a new Prince album coming out in uh, mm-hmm. that he recorded in 2010. Oh, wow. It was, uh, and then he just didn't release it. Mm. And uh, he, he, they, they interviewed his one background singer and uh, a guy that helped him with production. And they were so cool. Like, if you watch this segment, you'd want to get them mm-hmm. on your show. Cause they were like, cause the interviewers like when Prince was done with his album and he said he wasn't going to release it, what'd he say? And they said, he just looks at you and say, we'll see what happens. <laughs> and the woman said that she would get a call, like at just three in the morning. And, and he'd say, you feel like singing? She's like, <laughs> it's, it's three in the morning. Yeah, but do you feel like coming down and singing? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll come down and sing. I mean, like, yeah. who's going to say no? Yeah. yeah. Um, the songs I was going to play, but I'm not. Mm. Uh, going Back, written by Carol King and Jerry Goffin. Mm-hmm. And uh, Going to a Go-Go, mm-hmm. which I like, but then I just love the Stones' dirty, nasty, mm-hmm. raw version so much that uh-huh. it just it doesn't compare to this. But um, mm-hmm. But you got another song. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going along the same lines as Nowhere to Run, Uptight, originally done by Stevie Wonder, is probably my second favorite drum intro of all time. These are two of the greatest songs uh, Motown ever released into the world. And again, it's a perfect, perfect song. It's just that it has Phil Collins singing on it for some reason. It doesn't ruin it. It just makes it unnecessary. It's like uh, it's like that Paul Stanley Soul Station album. You're <laughs> never ever gonna reach for that over the original versions of those songs. Never in a million years. You can listen to it and go, "Oh, I'm happy that he's enjoying what he's doing," and he wrote like four or five originals in the same vein, and those are fun and interesting. But you're never gonna listen to those over the originals. No. Never, no. never. You wouldn't. All right, and with that. Where can we find all things about the hustle? You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on, uh, you know, iTunes, wherever you find your, your podcast, just look for the hustle. It's a yellow logo with a record on it, but on social media, John, your Twitter, Instagram. Sorry. Sorry. I don't do Instagram. I probably should. I mean, I'm on there personally, barely, uh, Twitter. I'm not super into, but, uh, it's at the hustle pod. Facebook's where most of the action is. Look up the hustle on Facebook. I'm pretty active on there. We have a pretty good community on there. 
Uh, and we are, uh, we're on Facebook. We're, uh, I, I tweet a lot. We are at Rock Solid Show. You can go to rocksolidpodcast.com for everything about the show. Links to the Patreon page, links to t-shirts, episodes, episode artwork, all that stuff. And uh, currently, we have just handed over the reins of our Instagram to my friend, Lisa Solak. Because Lisa said she would, Lisa. Like, she would like to run, 80s Lisa said that she would like to run the Instagram. And so I've handed it over to her. And I said, look, if in a month you're sick of it, that's fine. No harm, no foul, still friends. But uh, she said she'd like to do it. And so um, I want to give her a shout out because I really appreciate it. She's great and funny yep. and cool. And, yep. uh, and, and again, a friend. And we've met so many friends uh, through the podcast. Tons, hundreds. Yes. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. It really so, is. With that, John, thank you so much for doing this. I think you and I talked about doing Robert Palmer down the road. I'd love to. I was on a big Robert Palmer kick recently, and yeah. uh, he might be interesting. Whatever you want. I'll talk think, about anything. I think we might have to split it up, though. Like, I don't think we could do the whole catalog. I think we would have to maybe have a cutoff point and then do the second half down the road. Maybe it's not as concise as Billy Joel or Phil. There's right. maybe yeah, 12, I mean, yeah. 13 albums on there. Or right. He, like and he's uh but man, there's so much, so many different textures to mm -hmm. those albums. Like every yes. album feels different. different. Yep. And sometimes not in a good way. Cause I not don't in a like good all way. of it. <laughs> no, I don't like all of way. it, no. but, um, but it's interesting. So, uh, John, thanks for being here. Thanks for, Thank uh, for, uh, for being a friend and everyone please enjoy the playout song of course it's susudio mm -hmm. thanks john thank you